welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is July 6, 2022. I'm Rick Morton, and this is the Defender Podcast. Well, thanks again for joining us here on the Defender Podcast. Today, we're going to reach back into the archives for a best of episode. Um, And we're going to go back to an interview that Herbie and I did earlier this year uh, with our staff from our Kansas Pregnancy Center in Topeka, Kansas. Um, I think this is a particularly important episode for us to consider now uh, in the wake of the Supreme Court striking down Roe versus Wade. Kansas has actually become one of the most crucial states and a battleground area in the fight for life because of the action of the Kansas Supreme Court. And so the the Kansas Supreme Court has indefinitely held up a law um, which would protect life in the state of Kansas. The voters in Kansas have shown their their will by by bringing this law forward, Um, but the Supreme Court has, has acted um, in order to, to leave this law in limbo in a way that only a constitutional amendment is going to fix. And so on August the 2nd, the voters of Kansas will go to the polls to vote on a constitutional amendment to protect life and to severely restrict abortion in the state of Kansas. And so we want to pray today that God will prevail on the hearts of, of people, that voters will turn out and vote for life. Uh, and we want to pray for the work of those uh, on our team that are on the front lines in the state of Kansas. Because right now, uh, Kansas currently has one of the most liberal abortion laws in all of the country. And literally, there are people that are traveling from other surrounding states to come into Kansas to have abortions because abortion is legal all the way up to the point of uh, delivery. And and so we want to pray for Kansas as we listen to this podcast, but we also want you to know about the great work that's going on there and and the work that the Lord is doing in order to preserve life um, and to bring glory to himself in the state of Kansas. Before we get to this uh, important podcast, I also want to remind you, summer is in full swing. And so less structured time may lead to behavioral changes. Amen, parents. Some of us are bearing that out. Parent coaching is a service that's available for any parent who needs to gain additional insight into their child's behavior. Uh, Parent coaching is tailored to each family and to each child. These 45 to 60 minute sessions are filled with proven tools and techniques to use in in building additional strengths in parenting. You can see our show notes or visit visit lifelinechild.org backslash parent dash coaching. That's lifelinechild.org backslash parent dash coaching for more information and to be connected with a Lifeline staff member. And so without further ado, we want to get to our our classic podcast here on our Kansas Pregnancy Center. And and remember, um, if you're in Kansas, turn out and vote. If you have friends in Kansas, uh, make them aware of their opportunity to vote. And let's pray that God will do something uh, powerful in the state of Kansas on August the 2nd. Well, as always, it's my great privilege to bring in the venerable Dr. Rick the man who needs no introduction. Uh, As we like to say, of course, on the podcast, as well as around the halls of Lifeline, our true celebrity, Dr. Rick Morton. Dr. Rick, so grateful to have Jessa on today and certainly grateful to have this topic and to talk about how we can really be defenders of life. 
Well, I feel like today that we're having an opportunity to sit down and talk with one of those people around Lifeline that needs no introduction, right? Um, Jessa is just such a, a huge part of our team and and loved by people across our ministry. And um, I was reflecting back, even even thinking about getting ready to to do this uh, podcast and and remember uh, probably what five or six years ago, I guess now um, going out to Topeka. Uh, for our first run for one in Topeka. And, you know, Jessa does everything she does, um, full tilt, 100%. And, and so I remember showing up there after, after a long drive to Topeka from Birmingham. And, and, and she was just so pumped. And she said, hey, come on, let's go see the course. And so I'm thinking we're going to like walk a hundred yards and she's going to show me like the course. No, we like walk the three miles or whatever the course was. And it was like over the hill and through the dale and through the woods and all this kind of stuff. And it was just like, and she, she was just narrating as she was going and just so excited. And, um, and I just remember, you know, like, um, the, the enthusiasm, the, the fact that, you know, a bunch of people showing up on a, on a cold um, sort of uh, dreary morning for, you know, for the run itself. And, um, and Jessa just kind of bottled up the sunshine and brought it with her. And that's kind of, that's kind of the way she rolls wherever she is. And so just really, really incredible, incredibly thankful for you, Jessa, and for your part on our team and, and just um, the ways that you're leading in, in Kansas, um, Today, so why don't you why don't you just kind of introduce yourself to um, to the folks that are out there now that we've given you uh, an improper introduction? Why don't you give them a proper introduction and just tell them a little bit about uh, about you and about the work you do there in Kansas? Yeah. Okay. Well, what Rick did say is, um, whenever we were trudging through the woods about halfway through our trek, <laughs> I was like, "This guy is never coming back to Topeka ever again," and he actually has not been back to visit us since. So. I don't know if that that trek in the woods was enough to just put him off of Topeka forever, but no, we got to get you back sometime, Dr. Rick. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm Jessa. I um, am just super honored and excited to be at Lifeline and to to be in the the position that I'm in. Um, And it's kind of funny when I started at Lifeline, my role was a little bit different. And so I, I always said, I could never work with pregnant women or do anything in that realm. I have no clue what I'm doing. And, you know, you, you say things and God laughs and he puts you in places. Um, but he, I think he definitely knew that, um, this was, this was a place for me to be. And so when I started at Lifeline, my role really was working with families who are vulnerable, um, and really trying to help them find stability in some ways and really trying to connect them with the church and with discipleship. And so, um, initially my thought was, you know, I, I don't know if I want to work with pregnant women. This seems so, so different than what I've been doing. And I really realized, no, this is, this is absolutely an extension of that and Mm. actually getting to have an even larger arena and platform and ability to meet more people where they are and working really hard to, to listen to them, to care for them, to hear their needs and to, to hopefully ultimately connect them back to the local church. And so, um, yeah, this is, this has been awesome. I've, I've been here since 2016, um, have just been really blessed, have learned a lot, have had an incredible team to work with. So excited to be here with you, Rick, and you heard me today. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, in a lot of ways, Jessa, the population that you work with is really very similar to what you started with, except you've really gone back a step, um, that a lot of the vulnerable families you were working with had already birth their children 
and they were still in that state of vulnerability. But really, we see these women in the same steps, some same stages of vulnerability. They just also have this pregnancy. I'd be interested, how do these women end up learning about our center there in Topeka and finding uh, their way into the pregnancy test center? Yeah. So, you know, this this has been kind of a struggle for us for some time. We've had our pregnancy center now for over three years and we really have no online presence until now. And so we really have relied heavily on our partnerships with local community organizations, schools, medical centers, other nonprofits to, to make sure that we have a great connection there so that whenever we're serving a similar demographic that people know, Hey, we are here. Uh, we we're here and excited and ready to serve you guys. Um, but that's been really hard and really relying word of mouth from a lot of our clients that we have served, which, which has been really great to see, Hey, so-and-so my friend, she got help here or so-and-so brought me here. And she said that you could help me. Um, so, so that has been really great, but we're really excited that now in 2022, finally, we are going to have a much stronger online presence with a website uh, really geared for for our, our clients to help them understand what our services are, know when we're available, how we can meet their needs, um, really with their their need in mind for us. So, so really excited for that. But what's been really cool, even though that's been difficult with us to not, it seems crazy, right? It's 2022, we're on a podcast and it's like, wait, you don't have a website? I don't even know if I'd go to dinner somewhere if they didn't have a website or if I couldn't find a review or something. But every year we serve between six and 800 clients. And so the Lord has really gone before us with those relationships and with those community partners to allow um, to allow this work to continue. And so we really anticipate that moving forward this year and, and beyond that we'll serve even more clients than that too. So Jesse, you, you know, through that last answer, you talk a lot about relationships and, and really kind of that being the key. And, and certainly that's the way that you're, you know, you've, you've structured things and had to structure things in order to build those relationships with community agencies. But I think one of the, one of the things that is, is really cool is to hear the way um, that you and our team there are able to build deep relationships with the women who come to seek services there at the center. And so could you talk a little bit about just kind of the importance of that and, and what it looks like to build a relationship um, with the women who are, who are coming in your door on a regular basis? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that relationship is key to everything and especially being in such a vulnerable um, place with a lot of families, there's, there's an immense amount of trust that families give us and that we build with, with one another, um, to be seen as not only a professional, but as a, a caring group, uh, of, of people here to serve and be in this place. And so without that relationship, we don't have a foundation or have equity to really speak into anything else. And so we really lead with relationship and, um, a lot of, a lot of our heartbeat is we want to be gentle and truthful and kind, but we're not going to do things that sacrifice or break that relationship because we know that God is gentle and patient and kind with us and he doesn't force things. Um, there's so many times in all of our lives, right. Where I'm sure God is like, are you still there? Are you, are you okay? All right. I'll still meet you where you are and I'll be patient. And, 
eventually we kind of get it and we move forward and things are good, but he doesn't, he doesn't push us to the point of breaking us. He really meets us where we are. And so we want to do that with our families here. And I think that, um, having that be kind of our first and foremost thing of our goal is the gospel. And we're going to do that through relationship building. It's allowed us to see this is a marathon and not a sprint. And so we're not going to as much as we can, right? We all make mistakes, but we're not going to get ahead of the spirit and things, or we're not going to try to make this be in my time frame. or, Hey, maybe a girl comes in and we hang out and we talk for a while. And I didn't tell her a word about Jesus today. That doesn't mean we failed. She's coming back next week and we're going to hang out and we're going to continue to have a conversation. And we're, we're in this for the long haul and not just, Hey, I told you the Roman road today and I'm never going to see you again. We really do want to have um, long-standing impact with our moms and, and dads. Um, but, but, you know, one of the things that is definitely hard to see, and I think is, um, important to recognize is that most of the folks that we serve, if we had to boil down some of their vulnerabilities or commonalities that they're working, working with, um, is, is this point of isolation. So most of our families, um, you know, we could say, well, we have a lot of differences with background or economic status or even just kind of their family structure dynamic and things of what what that may look like. But a huge common thread that we are seeing at our center, and I would I would venture to guess a lot of other centers are too, is this isolation that I really don't have people that I can rely on or count on or who want good, healthy things for me. And so that support system isn't there. And so our, our ultimate goal isn't that we would just have a relationship with these folks here at Lifeline, because um, at the end of the day, who knows, you know, our center could close up or, you know, eventually we're just not going to be here because we're going to get old and we're going to die. But we're, we're going to want folks to have, it is what it is, right? We're going to want people to have something that's lasting and be connected to Jesus, but be connected to the church. And that's not going to fade. And so even if all of us moved away or something happened, or, you know, we're in Kansas, so we have tornadoes sometimes. If our building just didn't exist anymore, we we want to make sure that we aren't the end-all, be-all relationship for these women and families, but we're connecting them back to the local church because that's a relationship they're going to have forever to help them and help them with their parenting and help them in their relationships and just understanding their identity of being something so much deeper than what they may think it is right now. I, I love that, that you, you know, identifying that commonality of the, the relational poverty that you see with people. And there, you know, I think sometimes we we rush to think about the, the other kinds of poverty. And we, you know, we talk about, you know, more physical poverty and a lack of resources and things. But but sometimes we don't think about the fact that that people and and being, you know, in relationship with people and being led with by people. But um, but truly, that's that is that's the ground that Jesus meets us on. Right. Like we, he, you know, Christ came to us relationally. He came um, not separated, but came, you know, like right into the middle of our mess. And and that, that you guys get to do that. One of the things you, you mentioned that might be a little bit of a countercultural thought for some, you know, for some of the folks that are listening is thinking about being a pregnancy test center. Um, but you mentioned men and dads and, and the fact that you have an opportunity to be able to, you know, to minister to and, and to walk with men. Unpack that a little bit for us and, and just kind of talk about how um, obviously we, we know that there, there are women coming to the center. But like what it, what what are the relationships like and, and what are some of the kind of the things that you see um, among you know, dads that are that are caught up in, in the same vulnerability? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we, we do not serve as many dads as we want to. And the reality is, Hey, we are serving hundreds of women. Um, the women that we're serving have hundreds and hundreds of children and every single one of them has a dad and not all of those dads are engaged and not all of them are necessarily involved, um, in, in their child's life. So we have a fraction of relationship with the men, um, who are dads that we would like to, and that's a huge, um, goal for us and huge prayer point for us moving forward that we do um, really want to have a lot more men involved and we need men volunteers. We need the church to have um, a lot of partnership in those kinds of ways. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but, but I think from what we've seen so far is we, we have some incredible dads that we have had a chance to work with and encourage Um we're working with dads, some of them as young as 16 years old, and some of them are well into their 40s who who are working hard. They're trying. They're they're trying to figure out how do I provide for my kid and what does this look like? And maybe I'm in a relationship with this child's mother, but maybe I'm not. And so how do I how do I maintain this relationship and do these things well? And but still this this lack of really strong, deep relationship and discipleship with other men who are going to love them and who are walking with Jesus is, is a huge point. And so, um, I think that that's another vulnerability with most of the families that we serve here, um, is that there has been, um, a pretty significant, um, break at least once, if not twice, or more than that, just even in the times that we've worked with families of, um, of relationships that, Hey, we're going to come together and we're going to, um, potentially have children together. And then we're going to split and our family's going to have a, a break in it. And, you know, we're kind of left to pick up the pieces. Our kids are left to pick up the pieces. There's a lot of emotional trauma that's there. Um, and now, okay, we have new, new partners and we have new feelings and, uh, romances and, you know, commitments, but that those break as well. And so there's just some fallout. And so we're just trying to kind of work in that and speak into um, that hurt in a lot of places. Um, and that's hard. That's a really hard place to be, but we're so thankful to be in that place um, and to do what we can to point men and women to to the one that holds all things in his hands of, of being able to, to meet us in spite of those hurts. Um, but it's a hard thing. I mean, we have conversations every week about what that family dynamic or what those breaks in family structure do to kids and, and how that impacts, you know, what's right now, but also future, um, with, with children who are on the way. And, and that's, that's really hard to carry. Um, and, and if you're not in it every day, or if you haven't experienced a break in your family like that, it's hard to understand the grief that that brings, um, and so I think that there's a huge point for the church to really, to really step into some of those places of hurt, um, for women, but also for men, cause they're, you know, experiencing that as well of this, this isn't how this was supposed to be. This isn't how, you know, there's something that's missing here. There's something that's wrong. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying as best as I can here, but maybe I don't really know what I'm doing. Hey, newsflash, most of us don't. And so that's why we're all going to get together. And Jesus is like, y'all hang out together. We're going to call it church. And we're going to do this thing together. And I'm going to give you a whole lot of grace. And also a few letters here in the Bible to help kind of figure out what this needs to look like. But but we we want to do that and be that invitation um, into, into something deeper and greater for men and women who are also moms and dads. 
I know when you really think about these clients that you visit with, and you've touched on some of that even just now, you know, a lot of times we want to categorically separate them maybe from mainstream. Um, We want to put them and say, well, they're the others in a sense. Um, Or we, we have these misconceptions of what they're bringing to the table or what they look like or how they'll act or how they'll respond. But, you know, I know even with us in our center, a lot of times we have volunteers that have completely false misconceptions about the clients that they're going to be working about. What are some of these misconceptions that you've had to deal with from the church, from volunteers, and really just from general public about the women that are coming to our center? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I, I think probably some of these misconceptions, they may be uh, similar misconceptions that other pregnancy centers are experiencing as well, but they, they may have a whole other set of things um, that they're kind of working through too. So um, this, this is not the end all be all list from Jessa. So say it, so, you know, so it be whatever. Um, so if you've got another local pregnancy center, ask them these questions too, because they may tell you some, some things in addition to this. Um, but some of the ones that I think that we've encountered a lot of misconceptions about some of the women that we serve is that the idea that everybody who comes for, for services here at our pregnancy resource center, they don't want to be pregnant. And, um, and that's not true. And so this idea of this narrative that everybody's coming here desperate to have an abortion um, or devastated at a positive pregnancy test, that's not true. And, and I think that's, that's a good misconception to break, um, that we have a lot of families who are very excited about the possibility of adding a child or having their first child, and, and they're excited. And so we celebrate that because um, obviously we, we are very much so not just pro-life, but life-affirming. And so, yeah, that, that fits into that. We're, we're glad they're excited about um, this new life. And so um, the other thing too, I think in that is, um, you know, obviously we celebrate too, that the majority of our conversations are not, you know, I, I just want to have an abortion, but, we, but we can't just say, whoo, okay, cool. I'm really glad you're not going to have an abortion. See you later. Yeah. Aren't babies so cute. It's going to be so fun. And they're so snuggly. Okay. Bye. No, we really want to make sure, Hey, we're glad you're excited, but how do we make sure that you thrive as a family? Cause I want you to be really successful as a mom. And so what are some ways that you think that looks to be successful? And let's talk about that. And what are some challenges that you think are going to come with parenting? Because it's not always going to be rainbows and unicorns and butterflies. It's going to be really hard and babies don't keep, they get bigger. And so what's this going to look like whenever you have a grade school or you have a teenager or whenever, you know, things look different, but we're, we're here to walk alongside you in that and celebrate that. And so I I think there's kind of that two-sided thing. We can be excited that they're not, not everybody is coming to us and wanting um, to, to end their pregnancy, but the work doesn't stop there just because they're not thinking about abortion. Um, Actually, we, we've kind of looked at our stats, 75% of our clients have at least one child before they come and see us. And I don't think that that's unique to our center. I think that maybe those stats could be a little bit different from center to center, depending on where you are. But but for the most part, most pregnancy centers um, are in this kind of trajectory of seeing, yeah, we're really working with parents right now. 
Um, maybe that child's in their custody, maybe not, but this is not their first rodeo most of the time. It's not their first pregnancy. And so um, even that kind of misconception of we're just trying to work with brand new parents who maybe don't know what they're getting into right now, um, really understanding a lot of our focus needs to be on family structure as a whole of, Hey, we're not just dealing with this new baby. Sometimes women come to see me and I say, let's put the pregnancy conversation on pause for a second. Cause you've got three littles. So let's focus on this. Cause this is here and now. And like, this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. How can we help you with what's going on right now in your family? We'll get back to the pregnancy conversation, but here you are as mom, we want to support you. Um, what's that look like? How is this going? And so, um, so we can't forget the other children that our, our families and our clients are really serving. Um, so that's, that's a huge one for sure. Um, but yeah, just really trying to meet and understand all of those needs. Um, I think that another misconception, um, that, that can be had maybe, um, and I don't know if it's a full misconception of the women that we're serving, or if maybe it's maybe a misunderstanding on part of maybe the church um, thinking about some of these women. I'm not sure how we categorize it, but I do, I do speak into a lot of folks who mean well, who are very pro-life, who, who very much so love babies Um a lot of hurtful language that really demonizes women who are considering abortion and um, helping to see, you know, these are not women who are just deciding, I hate babies and I'm going to have an abortion. This just seems like a good idea today. These are women with very complicated situations, very, very deep hurt, very, very much so struggling emotionally, maybe experiencing history of trauma, um, an extreme lack of, of social support, um, material support. There's a, there's a lot that's happening. That's very complicated. And so to, to simply think that, that women are, um, wicked and evil and just considering abortion out of convenience, we, we don't see that a whole lot. Um, and so, yeah, abortion is terrible and it's devastating. Um, but the circumstances that a lot of these women are facing right now when they are considering abortion are also devastating and are very hard and traumatic. And so um, I, I guess I would just encourage folks in, in that realm to just really pray for these women um, who are abortion minded to to connect with somebody who's going to really listen fully, full story, everything that's going on. What are all of these components that are, that are contributing to you feeling that this is the best option for you right now? And, and really asking the Lord and and also asking ourselves, how do we step up and meet some of these needs? Cause a lot of them can be met uh, by, by us as a community, right? There's going to be some hurts that the only Jesus can fix, but there's a lot that he's given us together as a body that we can help with. Um, even just for instance, I've, I've worked with women, maybe one of their biggest struggles of thinking about continuing a pregnancy is how on earth could I possibly provide tangible things? I can't, I don't have anything for a baby. I don't have a job right now, or how am I supposed to have clothes and diapers and resources? I can't do any of that. So I can't be a mom and I don't want, I don't want my baby to struggle. And so I should just have an abortion. And I, 
I mean, okay, so let's not worry about that. We can just kind of take a step back, take a deep breath. We're going to get anything you need for your baby. And so just breathe for a sec. Okay. What are some other things that you think would be hard for you to continue your pregnancy? And that's assuming you want to parent. You don't even have to parent. We could choose parents for this baby if you want to, but if you want to be parenting, I want to help you do that. And I want to help you do it well. So we can figure out the physical tangible stuff. What else is going on? I just don't know if I could be a single mom. That just seems really hard. And I just don't, I don't know. Maybe it's better if I just am not pregnant. Well, I know a lot of single moms. What if I could get you connected to a single mom's group and you could talk to some other moms and have some other people who really understand what this is like, but they're doing it. If you had a better, you know, community, do you think that you, you'd want to maybe consider, you know, let's keep going. Let's keep having this conversation. Let's see what else we can do. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, great. Let's do that then. So it's just one piece at a time, right? And so if if a mom says, I'm thinking about having an abortion and we just stop there and we think, well, you know, you're terrible. You can't do that. And you're, you know, just wicked and awful. And we just are trying to tell you, no, you shouldn't do that. We, we make her feel shame, but we don't actually kind of alleviate some of those things under the surface. And so, um, so, so that's just another kind of misconception, or maybe it's just kind of a, a, a redirection of, of some of that to really help um, kind of put our feet to the fire, put our money where our mouth is to kind of help provide some other real tangible ways to, I'm really listening to you. I understand that this is hard, but you can do hard things and we can do hard things together. And so maybe we could find another option. Um, and a lot of women choose that. A lot of women choose to continue in their pregnancy. Um, but yeah, we just have to be careful kind of how we, how we think and how we speak about some women who are considering abortion, I think. Such a good word. I think, you know, just to, to think in terms of the stereotypes and, you know, and the ways that we're kind of conditioned to think about this as opposed to the, the reality of what, you know, what you see and, and the people that you're, uh, ministering to and and working alongside you several times throughout kind of the time that we've been talking um, like you've referenced the church you've talked about trying to connect women to the church and and you know really like looking at the church as that that kind of base of support and community of support you talked about how the church partners with the center and you know even in things like tangible things like the you know the the resource closet or those sorts of things just just take maybe a little bit of time and sort of unpack for us, um, like, what does it look like to be connected to the church? And, and what are, what are some meaningful ways that you've seen churches be able to come um, alongside the work that you do and, and, and accomplish the mission that, you know, Jesus has given to the church to do in, in making disciples and in making him known. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, something that I think is really cool to start out with is there's there's no church that based on their demographic means that they are not able or equipped to serve in some way. So whether your church has 25 people who are meeting 25 strong or you've got 25,000 people in your church, there's so many ways for you to engage in this work. And so, um, it can, it can look a lot of ways. We've, we've had churches who have been really faithful to support us monthly financially. And that's a huge need that we have because we're not asking for any monetary service from any client for anything that we do. And so, um, that that's a huge component and that's not unique to us. That's pretty much every pregnancy center 
that exists. Pretty much all of their services are going to be offered free to clients who come in. Maybe there's an exception every now and then for some sort of medical thing that may be provided, but for the most part, it's covered. And so that's, that's huge. And so, especially when you think about, you know, we're not taking any sort of, you know, Medicaid or anything like that. We're not being funded in other kinds of ways. So even one meeting with a mom with an ultrasound in a consultation with her, that's going to run anywhere from 160 to $200. And, you know, a lot of our centers, we're doing hundreds of ultrasound scans a year. So we're just getting started. So we haven't quite hit that, that mark, but there are centers that are doing thousands of scans a year. And so that's a big need just to be able to offer that. Um, and whenever you look at the relationship that can be built and the, the kingdom impact that that has, um, we really can't put a dollar on that, but whenever it keeps, you know, comes to, we're trying to keep the lights on. We're trying to make sure that we have quality staff that can, you know, that are professional and trained and do these things that they can stay up on everything and also provide these excellent medical services for families. Yeah. That, that costs money. So as much as a church could, um, provide for a local pregnancy center financially, that would be a huge contribution in addition to, you know, um, being able to collect supplies. We've had groups of, uh, children's ministry all the way through youth, through the whole church, just whatever different churches engagement is, uh, to collect items for our care closet. Maybe that's you adopt a pregnancy center for Christmas, or you kind of have an angel tree kind of situation. Like here's the needs of the care closet right now. And, uh, we can, we can contribute to that. Um, but could be done throughout the year. Um, but that, that's a huge thing, no matter how big your church is that you can contribute to. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, this is all good stuff, Jessa, but there's not a pregnancy center that's in my city. So there's not really anything I can do. I would just tell you to do some research and find a pregnancy center that's in your state or just a pregnancy center that you like what they're doing. And you look at their, their mission and their, their target, find them online and donate to them. And, and you could send some stuff. A lot of places have an Amazon wish list of things that they need. Um, or you could just send them some gift cards so that they can go get what they need from Walmart or Amazon or whatever, or just donate to them financially is, is being a, a partner in, in work. They don't have to be in your city for you to engage, but, but they could. And so just do some research about what's going on in your state. Um, but I think that, like I mentioned, the greatest impact that we've seen from our churches is a willing to engage deeper on a discipleship level. And so maybe, maybe your local pregnancy center has some already made mentoring or coaching uh, things ready for you to do as an individual or as a couple uh, to engage. But if not, we, we could help with some things at Lifeline to get your church engaged with women in different crisis situations or pregnancies and how to really serve them well. And so that that's a huge thing. Relationship, like I mentioned at the beginning, is the biggest key of, of transformation and for, for life kingdom transformation to happen. And so being open to that is huge. And so I just ask that you as a church pray about that, of how to really engage in this relationship, not, not so that you're, you know, a rescue ranger, but so that you really are building a relationship regardless of the outcome that a family is going to choose because we can't predict what somebody's going to choose to do with their pregnancy. Or like I said, 75% of our clients are already parenting. And so how do we really reach these families who really don't have any church to call home 
and to really welcome them in well, meeting their needs and in knowing that, hey, they have a lot to contribute to our church too. They're not just people that have needs, but we need them. We need their perspective and um, they have gifts and talents as well that they've been created with. And we want to celebrate and do life with them in our faith community as well. It is a huge thing, but um, I think as a church, um, one of the most recent things that I've seen as a church, we were working with a mom and uh, she, she has some little kids and she said, you know, I'm trying to get some stuff figured out. I, my child support was cut. I'm about to be evicted by Christmas. And I, I have, I have, you know, other monies that are coming later, but um, it's going to take a few weeks for, for some other things to be reinstated. I'm going to be evicted by Christmas and I have little kids. And we said, you know, I think that there might be something we can do. We've got a lot of friends in town and let me just make some calls. And so we were able to talk to some of our local churches who know what we do, who, who know that we are doing everything we can to build relationships with families. We had a church say, we absolutely would cover her rent. Absolutely. That's not a problem. We, we know that she's working with you guys, that you guys are going to continue to love on her, to continue to meet her needs, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, just to be there for her. Absolutely. Since she's a lifeline mom, we, we, no questions asked, we'll cover her rent. And, and that's huge. And, and this mom wasn't pregnant, but she'd come to see us, you know, for other services and things. And, and our hope for her, our goal for her is to connect her back to that church that paid her rent. Right. And so we were hopeful that, um, that she will walk with people who love Jesus and love her. And so as a church, even things like that, that don't look like, oh, it's a baby item or it's a baby thing, but this is for the betterment of a family, or this is, this is a way to provide hope in a tangible way right here, that there are people who see me and know that, I matter and, and us to be able to point back to there's a God that sees you and that he, he knows that you matter and that, that you're not forgotten about is, is huge. And so really the sky's the limit as a church of what you can do. And so I would just encourage you, um, whether you're a person that is a lay person, you're, you're going to church, you're walking with Jesus, but you're not on staff or you're a lead volunteer for a ministry, or you are a pastor or an associate pastor. I would just encourage you in the next couple of weeks to contact your local pregnancy center or a pregnancy center that's in your state and just ask them, Hey, can we zoom or grab coffee? We really just want to figure out and brainstorm what it looks like for us as a church um, to really engage in meeting with families. And what are some of those needs? Because we shared a few that are here at our center. And I think that they're probably similar in some other places too, but a center that's nearby where you are, where you're listening, they may have some other needs and, and ways for you to plug in and get involved as well, which is awesome. So I would just encourage you to really hear from them and, and really figure out as a team how you guys can, can work collaboratively together. Because uh, I'll tell you, those pregnancy centers, our pregnancy center, we need you. We can't do the work that we want to do if we don't have you to partner with us because I'm just one person. We're a tiny, mighty staff here, but we cannot do discipleship with 800 women a year. Um, but our goal is that that we do have hundreds of women and men and families engaged with the local church, and that's where you come in. Wow, what um, what an encouraging note uh, to end on. I think that there's a place for you know for the church to be engaged. Everybody, all of us, and and you know that's. I think as we're thinking around January and, and focusing on the, you know, the sanctity of, of life, 
we that that's a that's a great message for us to ponder that um the, the women and men and children and and people that you're you're encountering on a daily basis in the center are ultimately all created in the image of God and ultimately are all worthy of the gospel um just like every man woman boy and girl uh, on the face of the earth and and what you know what an incredible opportunity to say yes those those six, 800,000 women that, you know, we might see through, uh, you know, through the center in Kansas, multiplied times centers all across the country. Um, they are living in many of them in the relational poverty that you talked about. And what a, what a grand opportunity for the church to be able to step up and, and to walk with them and to, you know, to show and tell the gospel and, and help them to, you know, really find, um, the, the real relationship that they were created for with Jesus. And so Jessa, thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to do this again, I know, and go deeper because there's more to tell and there's more to the story. Um, but we're just, uh, incredibly blessed by you and the team in Kansas and the way that you continue to faithfully serve. Um, we're thankful for all of you that are, that are listening to us and have listened to us today and continue to join us for the Defender podcast. We appreciate um, and would love for you to tell other people about it. Um, drop in and and give us a uh, a, a rating and a review uh, where you find your podcast. We'd love uh, to to be able to get uh, to get that kind of endorsement from you. But from uh, for Herbie and and for me, we're uh, we're we're incredibly thankful um, to be able to continue to highlight the work uh, that the Lord does uh, among those uh, that He's called us to among the vulnerable in our world. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.